You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Alright, here we are, the Catfish on Ice podcast brought to you by the Hockey Pod Podcast Network, bringing you episode 9. This is Chad Mitten, your host, joined by my co-host Rich Howe and Colin Bluen. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good. Doing good. Awesome. Alright, the, the regular season is almost here. It's coming up on Thursday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So naturally, we are going to be uh, discussing a lot about that upcoming game here coming up this Thursday. But before we get to that, we'll end the episode tonight with our uh, prediction of how we think that uh, game is going to go. Uh, emotions are going to be running high for that game, even though it's one of 56 regular season games. Still probably going to feel like a playoff game, I can imagine. But we're going to start off tonight's episode, our tonight's episode with uh, some scrimmage takeaways because the Preds just had – two scrimmages, inter-squad scrimmages, to kind of sort out their training camp roster and figure out how the starting lineups are going to – starting lineups going to go and everything. So, uh, Rich and Colin, uh, uh, Rich, uh, first, did you uh, get a chance to watch some of the scrimmages? I watched all of both of them. Yeah, they were – it was really good to see just some hockey back on the ice. Um, It was great to watch. Glad to see them getting back in there, mixing it up. my main takeaway was I can't wait until they're playing in their regular jerseys because, like, I couldn't make out their names on the back of the blue ones. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. who's out there? I can't even tell. There's no uh, – yeah, you know, there's obviously no stats or anything. But I did hear today that they're going to run the, uh, the puck tracking and the player tracking for all season starting Thursday. So nice. maybe we'll get a little more – some statistics and stuff like that. Um my other main takeaway it was was the goaltending. Um, I like to see all the scoring, but the the uh, Soros letting in the six goals, man, just kind of killed me a little bit. And I know it's just a scrimmage, and you're not supposed to read into it or anything, but that was a little tough to see. And then on the second scrimmage, you know, Pekka he let some in too. So it's like, who do you go with? I guess they're going to go with Soros probably, but you know. Who, who are you going to go with? <laughs> what about you, Colin? Did you uh, get a chance to watch some of the scrimmages? Yeah, I watched both of them, and, and I agree with you. I think it's kind of a place of, you know, where where is this team? It's hard to gauge with the goalie play versus the offense because it's like, okay, is this offense really good? or And the goaltending is just, you know, is doing okay, but they're just placing really some, you know, good quality offense, or is the goaltending bad and the offense is mediocre and we just don't know because – we haven't played anybody else. And so it kind of puts you in a little bit of a worried spot of like, what does this team actually look like? And I don't even think we're going to know what this team definitively looks like until probably at least, you know, two weeks into the season. That's where we get a, you know, a real solid idea of what we've got. But, you know, this is our first taste of hockey. So there's some good things to take away and some bad things to take away. I definitely think that, you know, goaltending is a question mark. I think that we, we need Pekka and, uh, you, know, you know, Juice to be solid. Like we need both of them to be good to go because they're going to be in rotation. It's going to be, you know, similar to what it was last year where 
Um, you know, one of them is going to need a night off. I think we're going to see a little bit of Ingram possibly too. So I'm still curious to see how he's doing. But, uh, you know, from an offensive standpoint, I, I will say like schematically, that definitely stood out to me about the offense. We, you know, when we were playing last year, um, and this historically with LaViolette, a lot of it relies on setup and a lot of it relies on the perimeter game. This offense just straight up attacked. And it didn't matter. I mean, Jofa obviously had a great uh, two scrimmages, the Jofa line. But even when it wasn't the Jofa line, the guys that, you know, were playing offense that when they, when they were, you know, in possession, they just straight up attacked the net. I mean, it wasn't – there was so, still some good passing. And I think that with high end system, you want people to make the smart pass. It's not that the gate, the offense is predicated on passing and setting up through the perimeter. It's that it's an attacking sort of offense, but he wants you to make the smart pass if it's there. And we saw that with a lot of things like with, with uh, you know, cousins being at the right place at the right time. I think he's a great fit uh, for a high end system. Uh, we saw with, you know, Victor Arvidsson, a couple of his setups they had from Forsberg and, and just the Joe flying clicking as a whole Olivier, uh, even you know Luke Kunin had some really good uh, smart goals based off of some really you know some timely passes, but it wasn't anything that was like you know watching that perimeter stuff where you're just like watching the puck go back and forth, and it's not really like there's not really as much action. Um, and on top of that, there was some awesome stuff in front of the net as far as rebounds go. Uh, we got a lot of rebounds you know coming back towards the offense, and they were getting some second shots that we just didn't see last year. So. Very curious to see how this all translates. Obviously, you know, with the scrimmage, it's the closest we're going to get to a game atmosphere without a preseason. But um, there's a lot that, you know, the, 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 uh, the scrimmage has kind of showed us as far as what we could expect. Did, uh, did you guys think the play was better in the second one? It looked more, a little more like a hockey yeah. game? Yeah. Yeah, the second, the, uh, the second scrimmage was definitely a lot more uh, competitive. You saw more crisp uh, play from both sides. Uh Jumping off uh, what Colin said about the Jofa line uh, and needing that uh, needing that top line to return back to form if the Preds are going to have any chance at the playoffs, uh, I thought the, that's the biggest takeaway from from the two scrimmages is the Jofa line had a lot of chemistry. They just knew where each other was going to be at, at all times. Uh, their passes were on point. Uh, Johansson in particular – Mm-hmm. Looked very comf- looked very comfortable out there. I've been kind of beating the drum all offseason about Ryan Johansson is going to have a bounce back year. And uh, what I saw in the scrimmages uh, kind of helped my argument on there just for now anyway. Uh, I thought he looked really good. I thought he looked really crisp, uh, really confident. Uh, we need him to be that uh, leader that every team needs their top centerman to be. And so he took a lot of control in that game. Uh, and then uh, Victor Arvidsson scored a couple times, a few times, and uh, looked healthy. We all want to see Victor Arvidsson uh, 100% healthy again. And he looks to be that way. Uh, he looks fresh. He looks ready to go. So um, that's my biggest takeaway from the scrimmages is the Jofa line. But then uh, going into the newcomers on the team, uh, they had some impacts too. Uh, Nick Cousins scored twice in the second scrimmage, and he uh, that one shot he made in the slot, man, he just mm-hmm. he, he that placed that. Yeah, he placed that puck perfectly, right where it needed to be. And so, uh, really, really like what I saw out of him. Uh, Luke Coonan really surprised me. He he had a bigger impact in the scrimmages than I thought he would, just because he missed the first part of camp due to the uh, due to his contract negotiations. And I'm actually going to go ahead and uh, correct myself because I keep doing this. I do believe uh, it's uh, Cunning and not Coonan. So 
We got to start doing. We we all got to start doing some reps on pronouncing this guy's name right. I'm gonna uh, get on myself every time I do that. So it is uh, Luke Cunning, and uh, so we will we will get this right going forward. But I just caught myself just now, even going into this episode, I said I'm gonna pronounce this guy's name right tonight, and I still mispronounced it. So uh, sorry to Luke Cunning for continuously mispronouncing your name, and I will try my best to not uh, continue to do that. But uh, Cunning. Had a very impressive uh, outing in the scrimmages. So, kudos to him for jumping right into the fold. He uh, he also scored twice, uh, once in each scrimmage, and uh, he played with Matt Duchesne a lot in the in the second scrimmage. So, I found that very interesting because we're all wondering who's going to pair the best with uh, Matt Duchesne. So, uh, Rich, uh, who do you think actually pairs best with Matt Duchesne? Uh, just kind of going off this topic. Well, I really liked the line that had Cunning, 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 and, and, and Eric Halla. I mean, I think that was who was on the ice together when Duchesne scored that really nice goal. Yep, y'all remember that? That was yeah, that was great. I think those guys work together well. We all talked about putting Cunning, you know, like Cunning. Gosh, man, Cunning down on the <laughs> bottom six role, but but I think he might be making a case to make it up on the. You know, on that second line with Duchesne. Hey, uh, time out, Rich. Uh, putting a new rule in. Every time we mispronounce Cunning's name, you got to drop on the floor and do 10 push ups. I'm sorry. Well, you're, that's going to be probably impossible. So, <laughs> uh, can we do a swear hey, jar? Let's do a swear it, jar. It, it just gives you, it gives you more incentive to pronounce this that's guy's right. name right. All right. It's, well, it's, well, uh, Cunning. Cunning. And all then, right, we got and then after that, after that, we're going to work on, Borovieski. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got to work on Borovieski. Borovieski. Yeah, because David Paul's been calling him Borowicki since day one. <laughs> I mean, you're paying. He's the, he's the GM. Yeah, you're paying this guy how many millions of dollars and, and you can't even say his name right? Come on. We'll get it right. We'll get yeah. it right. But anyway, back to back to that. Yeah, I, I, I think since Granlin's probably not going to be there, that would be a good option for them to run Paula Cunning. And Deshane, I think that would be a good one. Uh, I'm going to say uh, we should probably title this episode "Cunning kind of Along Nicely." Um, but, uh, <laughs> as nicely far as played. The, oh yeah, got that wordplay there. But now, as far as you know, Deshane, I'm kind of torn because you know Hala, I think had a really strong um, two scrimmages, but at the same time, you know, we don't see whatever else happens in practices. It's going to be interesting to see um, how it all plays out. I still kind of want to see Tolby with with. Uh, Duchesne, I would like to see almost like a, a Tolby and then on one side and then uh, Cunning on the other side, um, and possibly like a Hala, Granlin, um, and uh, Cousins line. That that'd be really interesting uh, to watch, and I think that gives you you know two top lines and even a third line. I mean, if that's our third line, like mm-hmm. you're doing much worse. So that that really is kind of where I'm at with that. But I just I, I feel like I want to see Tolby with a with a play creator the way Duchesne is. I feel like his game's kind of – it needs that play creation at times. Um, I mean, granted, he's growing in size, so I think he, he's better at creating plays for himself now than he was, you know, a year ago when we saw him. But um, I still kind of want to get him on, on an experience line with Duchesne. Going back to uh, – Rich was talking about the goaltending in the scrimmages. That – they didn't really do anything. You can't draw too many vast conclusions from the goals surrendered, but – we certainly didn't see anything flashy from either one of them. That's just going to make you think like, or you're just going to have an enormous amount of confidence because 
I thought Pekka played slightly better out of the two. I thought he made the tougher of the saves. But they both let out some leaky goals. Um, I will say in the first scrimmage, Soros took took the the brunt of the shots. He sure did. Whereas, whereas, whereas Rene really didn't get much much tested at all. You know, the first the final score in the first game was eight two team blue. And then the second second game the final score was five two team blue. And they switched up the team, so it wasn't the same team. We shouldn't really look too far into which team won necessarily, but both goaltenders uh, struggled a little bit. Maybe they have to shake off the rust. You know, I don't. I don't think we have to start panicking or anything like that. But they, at the same time, they also didn't really do anything to to be overly super confident as well. Yeah, that's kind of my concern too. Is that um, you know, th- there's a you have to shake off the rust, but at the same time, it's like when we start the season, we start the season. I mean, it's just, you know, yeah. pretty much go, go, go right away. And you have these one, you know, one day's, you know, single days off and in between games where it's a two game series. So there's really, you know, there's a lot, there's less room for error, you know, and hopefully that everybody else is seeing this too. I haven't really been able to be plugged into everybody else and how their t- camps are going. Um, but hopefully everybody's experiencing that. And so there's a little bit of, you know, a, a curve for that. But my fear is kind of like, you know, seeing what we saw last year where, Juice kind of got off to a slow start, you know, and he didn't really come on until, um, you know, mid-season, and that's when his game started to improve, and that's when he overtook Pekka for the starting position. Um, we just can't have a slow start like that and, and be him be the top goaltender. And so Pekka is, you know, the guy we have to roll with for a little bit until, uh, you know, Juicy gets up to, to to form. Like, that's that's kind of what we got to do. But, um, you know, you see he's a proven pro at this point, and this, and this is kind of like, my belief is that he's been in the league long enough. He's had enough you know, quality starts under him that he needs to know he's got to be prepared. He's got to be, you know, he's got to be ready to make those plays that we expect from him. Not, you know, just uh, in the midseason, late season, but early season because we these games matter too. So hopefully they get right, and hopefully a couple extra practices get them right for the uh, the rest of the season as we uh, get ready for this you know gauntlet of a schedule. But um, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm curious how Ingram plays too, just because. Uh, these two are going to need a break. I mean, it's just this season is so grueling that that third. I don't see how you don't get you know some kind of use out of your third goalie, even if it's you know mm-hmm. once every two weeks or something. You got to think he's going to get some start somewhere with one of them playing in the backup role. But you know, time to check the rust off. The time is now. We are you know two or three days away from opening night, so it's got to happen. Yeah. So Ingram let in two in the period he played that third period, mm-hmm. and then Cascasuo let in one. So. I mean, I don't know if that tells – I mean, I'm, I, I'm fairly certain that Ingram's going to be the taxi squad goalie and they'll send Cascasuo to the yeah. NHL. But, I mean, it's kind of like how do you make that determination with the small sample size? They didn't even play in the second scrimmage at all. I was a little disappointed to not see them play a little bit more. I mean, I get yeah. it that you, you want to get the bulk of the work into the two your two goaltenders that are going to be getting the starts – so I get that, but they're you know Soros and Rene are also well, especially Rene, but even Soros to a degree, they have that NHL experience. Uh, right. You kind of know what you have in them. I thought that Ingram, in particular, should have should have gotten a little bit more of a a heavy look in these scrimmages, just because there is a high chance that you're going to have to uh, lean on him at some point this season, and he didn't really get as much work as I would have liked to have seen him get. Uh, especially considering how well he looked in the AHL for the Milwaukee Admirals last mm-hmm. season. 
And now I want to see if he can actually make those tough saves and tough saves and survive those uh, onslaughts that you get from NHL caliber players. And I wanted to see him get tested in the scrimmages, and he he really just didn't get a lot of a lot of opportunities to do that. Yeah, he's a you know Ingr- he's obviously professional, but he has no no NHL starts at all. And you know that first start he's going to get. He's going to be nervous. I mean, anybody's going to be of nervous. Course. And then, of course. Yeah, and then Cascasuo, he's only had the one uh, NHL start for Toronto, and he, I mean, he led in six. So I don't, you know, that's just a tough, tough break Ouch. for him. So yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's that's a tough break. But you know, those guys that you know, even if you're a professional, your first start NHL, you're going to be nervous. So it's just. I will say one good thing that kind of hopefully gets some goalie, the goal, these goalies relief, uh, something we haven't touched on yet, is our defense. I think this is probably the most confident I've been in our third pairing going into a season than, than in the last five years. Just because, like, you look at the top pairings, you know, Yossi and, and Ellis, I think Yossi plays a key role in that Jofa line success, especially when we watched him play. I mean, Jofa created their own opportunities with some success, and they had some really good plays without him on the ice. But with him on the ice, I mean, it was just like, that offense was really moving with him. And you could hear how much of a vocal leader he is, and I think that's important. Um, with Ekholm and, and you know, Fabro, I think their chemistry has improved. They looked more – they looked cleaner as a pairing in the scrimmages. And so let's see what they look like in game, in game shape. But I think that they look more, you know, just well-rounded as a pairing in, in terms of their chemistry. And so hopefully that translates. But I've, that gave me a lot of confidence. And then even the third pairing, you know, we don't necessarily know what's going to look like uh, with Tenority and with Barwieski and uh, – with uh, even Weber being on the tryout, uh, Carrier played you know decently. Davies apparently has gotten some good praise out of camp. Um, even with, with whatever the combination is of those guys to make that third pairing, I feel better than I have in recent years as far as that third pairing being the liability of that defense because it seemed like we were so top heavy with the, the top two pairings, and that third pairing was kind of like a let's hope they just don't make mistakes. Whereas this next third pairing, I feel like we have, you know, with this year's third pairing options, we have, you know, some good guys that can really be playing some sound hockey. Um, kind of like what I was saying before, you know, when we were talking uh, offline and off the podcast, you know, with Barwieski, it's just a matter of him making sure that he is that strong presence, that physical presence that, you know, Pulley wanted us to get coming out of last season uh, and that we know that we needed to improve on, but also does it in a smart way. You know, he picks his shots as far as being physical but he doesn't, you know, give up anything that's major that, you know, is a, is a game breaker uh, and leads to uh, some momentum shifts. But I think, you know, if he's playing smart hockey, um, we could see, you know, a career, almost a career resurgence for him. I mean, he's, you know, a relatively older guy, but he was playing on some pretty bad uh, teams before, especially uh, with Ontario. So it's going to be interesting to see how he comes on and, and what that third pairing looks like. But got a, got a lot of good taxi options too, so that's always good yep. to have. Yeah, so do you guys – you think they're going to sign uh, – put Weber on the taxi squad? I don't know. I, I mean, he, he looked pretty good. Scored, like, scored I, a goal? Yeah, I wasn't yeah. expecting it. I don't think so. It. I don't see it happening. <laughs> he also got uh, smacked in the face with a stick and was bleeding all over the ice too, so. He did. He was playing some angry hockey. I, I mean – He was. It, He's it, fighting. It was, he is. He's fighting, and I respect it. It's just like, where was that last year, and where's that been all this time that you've been with us? Like, exactly. So it's just, it's. It, I don't. I wonder if they're going to give him a chance to see if he can prove it, and maybe you know either send him down in, in midseason or what. But I mean, he he by you know what we've saw in the scrimmages, he looks like he's at least earned some sort of time in some place. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I will. I will say though that I I kind of like to echo what Colin's saying. I feel really good about. 
Um, the defense, I think that's what this team's going to hang their hats on for sure. And then they still have that top line ability to take over games offensively uh, with Forsberg, with Yossi, with Ellis, with Johansson, and with Arvidsson, even with Matt Duchesne. So they're going to be kind of like a blend of two different types of teams. And it's all about who shows up on what night. Are they going to be the gritty team that uh, is going to make it hard to score for the other team and it's going to be one of those ugly two-to-one type of games, which personally I would like to see them get back to that type of being that type of team. Mm -hmm. I'm sick of seeing the five-four, five-to-four final score games um, all the time uh, on the seat of your pants, and you're just like, "How is this going to end?" I want to start seeing the presence on defense, and I think they look even despite some of the some of the uh, large numbers of goals that were scored in both scrimmages. I think a lot of that you have to think you can't read too much into you know these scrimmages. The rosters were built a certain way, and I can. Especially in the first scrimmage, I felt like the teams were a little lopsided. So oh, yeah. I'm not going to really, I'm not going to really read too much into what the score was and how many, you know, eight goals were scored. For them, I liked what the defense was trying to do and what Hines is pushing in there and Bervietsky and Benning and I think Eckholm's going to have a much better season. And I thought they all played uh, pretty well in their roles. Uh, those guys that you know are going to be in that starting lineup, I think they played well. So that's what this team's going to hang their hat on is defense. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, like, because we just we, we really don't even have an understanding of what the second line looks like. You know, every other team, it seems like they've got, you know, at least their top two lines figured out. And for us, you know, for whatever reason, we've had some challenges, whether it be immigration issues, you know, having you – know, guys having kids um, and, and yeah. just all this other stuff that's happening during the off season. It's kind of made it a challenge for us uh, because I mean, Sunday night was our first night even seeing Duchesne. I, I, the first night, I think you're dead on with that. It's hard to gauge because, you know, we didn't even, our second line didn't even have Duchesne on it. Our second line was just a bunch of guys that, you know, probably that we have eliminated ice exposure. Cause you think about it, third line, you know, no longer has bones on it. Fourth line no longer has, I guess, tourists. RIP, um, but it's just we don't know you know what any of these lines look like because there's been so much change in the offseason. Hopefully they get it figured out fast. And I know I tweeted out. I think you guys also retweeted it. But it's just I don't want us to see this in a situation where we're playing line salad. And at the same time, like my biggest fear right now is that we have a bunch of good but not great forwards, and that's kind of where we're at. We're just and it's like you know, where do you put them? Where do you put them? Exactly. The and we're just good enough. And I mean, I think Jofa at least has solidified that. That that makes me confident. I think. They're they're by far and away our best line so far, but the rest of the lines like you need something from them. You can't because you're not going to play Joe for for 60 minutes on the ice. Like you got to have uh, to pick it yeah. up. And it's disappointing, and it's no one's fault, but it's disappointing that Grandland couldn't get in on these scrimmages due to the um, immigration issues. Uh, uh, this was uh, tweeted out. Let's see. I want to make sure I give the right attribution here before I take this tweet. Yeah. So Thomas Willis. He's part of the uh, Preds, uh, Preds uh, media team. Basically came out and said that, uh, you know, Grandlin's still dealing with immigration issues, and he, but those are progressing, and he hopes to fly to Nashville soon. So we got to hope that he's available for Thursday. But honestly, I haven't seen a lot that says he's for sure playing on Thursday. In the season uh, I don't remember where I read it, but they said – somebody said that he could possibly miss, like, a couple of games because once I mean, he does yeah. get to Nashville, 
he has to quarantine. quarantine. I think Adam yeah. said yeah. that he's, he's going to have to quarantine for a couple, you know, at least yeah. the, the so, day period. So, yeah. so we so might not see him at all until the yeah. third game. Just, just, yeah. just a tough break, tough break. And then uh, Tomasino is actually in quarantining now. Uh, we didn't expect to see a whole lot of Tomasino just because of the World Juniors and all that, but it would have also been nice to see him in one of those scrimmages. I think he probably would have flourished in that type of atmosphere, in that type of setting where you're just uh, in a scrimmage, basically like backyard basketball type of deal almost. I think he would have flourished. So it's kind of it's kind of disappointing that we didn't get to see him um, in one of those scrimmages, like possibly take over and uh, put a couple goals past Rene or Soros. I think that would have been kind of cool to see. But, yeah, so. I think with Thomas here, it's interesting because he's like, you got to think, he's coming off that tournament where – He's probably the most in-season shape kind of guy we have right now. Then, I mean, Jofo looked great, but at the same time, like they've not been playing, you know, in these live games. Thomasino's been playing live games that count for keeps. You know, like they're they're not just these scrimmages. So, his intensity level—it's gonna be interesting to see if he when he gets to the team. You know, if he's on—we haven't seen everything yet, but if he's on the taxi squad, I think he's gonna push the team. If he's possibly, you know, the surprise one of the surprise players that makes the team as it is, uh, possibly as you know someone that's a reserve player or someone that is, you know, on the fourth line or third line, even I'm just, I'm curious. I I'm hungry to see him. It doesn't mean that we will, you know, obviously it's a long shot just because of how old he is and how much experience he has, but I really want to see him in a gold Jersey. I want to see it so bad. So we'll see. All right. So that's our takeaways. That's our takeaways from the uh, uh, two scrimmages. Uh, That's our last look at the Preds until it's the um, uh, real deal on Thursday. So I thought we saw some positive things, but you can't, again, you can't like get too crazy about what you saw in a scrimmage. It's it, you're kind of just doing it for the players to get back into shape and to give the coaches a little chance to get some uh, evaluation going, but it's not something we should draw some crazy conclusions out of. So now let's get into our next segment, which is going to be, uh, we're going to kind of get a little real here and talk about the biggest challenges that the Preds are facing this season. If they are going to be a playoff team, And I'm expecting a lot of different opinions from all three of us. And uh, we're going to start with Rich. He's going to give us our, uh, the Preds top challenge going into uh, the new season. So I think for me, we've already touched on it a little bit, but it's definitely the goaltending. In one of the articles I wrote, I said something about the, the coaches really want to be confident in their goaltending and, you know, Saros, I know we can't look into the scrimmages, but we never really got a definitive answer, you know, who we, – we assume Saros is going to be the starter, but, you know, he didn't have all that great a showing in the qualifiers, and we were all hyped up about him being in that. And then Pekka didn't even get to play. and But then, you know, Saros lets in six goals, and Pekka played well. And I just think that's going to be one of the, the, the main challenge – well, not the main challenge, but – a big one because, you know, they, no, they definitely need confidence right there. Yeah. Well, I think it speaks to kind of like, you know, what we were saying earlier about him getting rounded into form. Like you think about all the time that took off between, you know, the season getting cut, you know, basically put on pause and then them getting back into things. You know, mm-hmm. it didn't look like he was always the sharpest. But then you watch the, you know, you look back even further than the qualifiers. You see like those scrimmages that they had with Dallas leading into it. He looked all right against them. So it's like, you know, what kind of Jackal and Hyde type of situation is it going to be with him? Because um, we, we need him to be on. I mean, this, the teams that are in this division, they're going to be offensively, you know, pretty good and they're going to attack us and we got to be ready for it. And so 
um, whether it's Saros or whether it's Pekka, like one of them has to show up and show out, but preferably both of them just because of the rotation rotational basis. So I agree with you, Rich. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead, Rich. No, you no, go ahead, Rich. No, you finished. We're talking about goalies. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, you're, you're such a gentleman, Rich. You're such a gentleman. <laughs> uh, well, just what I was going to say was like, kind of like, I totally agree with you that uh, goaltending uh, is one of the biggest challenges going in. But would, any, would either one of you guys really be that shocked if Pekka's the starter on Thursday? No. Nope. Absolutely not. And, and the reason why is because. We all know that Pekka can bottle up his entire successful career. He can bottle that up for one more season and carry the Preds possibly further than anyone's expecting them. Even us, even what we're expecting them to be. Now, I mean, that's a big that's a big if. I mean, shoot, and he's only what two years removed from a Vesna trophy, like as the right. top goaltender in the NHL. So, like, you know, he's got it in him. Like he knows what he if anything, knows what it takes to be elite. And I, I agree. Like, he could push it for one more season. This is going to be a gauntlet. It's a shorter season, though, than what he has had to play before. So maybe that means, you know, that he's the go-to guy and he gets less time off than what he used to get. Um, or maybe it's just that, you know, the rotation is what it is. But, like, Pekka has the talent to be that guy. And just he's got the pedigree. I mean, and got the size. I will say, like, that's something I've always looked for. And one thing I'm really excited about with Askarov is his size is kind of like that prototype of what Pekka's size is. But Pekka can just be a brick wall sometimes. It doesn't even necessarily – the guy can stand on his head when he needs to, but he's also just really good at filling up that net, and there's less space to shoot it past him. So, you know, I think – no, I would definitely not be shocked if it was Pekka named, being named the starting goalie. Um, you know, obviously we all think it's going to be a rotation basis, but if Pekka gets that first start, I think, you know, I'm okay with it. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. Yeah, we've all wrote about it several times about all the other players struggling, like Johansson, Duchesne, you know, uh, Arvidsson. They all they all struggled, but we also we never really talk about Pekka struggling and how angry he probably is with himself and upset that he had such a you know an off year for him. So uh, it was his low. It was his worst year of his career last year. Right, and we touched on it. I think in the not last podcast, but the one before. That game where um, he got pulled, I uh, can't remember who they were playing, but they didn't pull him until, like, they got scored on six times, and he didn't speak to the media afterwards, and, and you, you guys know that that's not him. And, he, he, you know, he's probably angry with himself and just wants to have a good year, and, you know, like all the rest of them, he's lumped into that, I struggle, and I'm going to – I want to turn it around. Yeah, and I think a lot of that was also on defensive last year too. Like you look at when he was playing, like they just for whatever reason defense played better, you know, in front of UC. But at the same time, like if this defense steps up, Pekka can have some better games because they left him hung up dry on a lot of games last year. And I just that's what makes me think that like the cliff isn't so far approaching. Like you know, there might be some people that think that it's just he's fallen off that cliff and like he's hit that that point where it's like all right, it's all downhill from here. But I just don't see it. I mean, he's still got his dexterity, his flexibility, his size. Um, he still has the mental aspect of it. There's probably not many mental hockey, you know, goalie, mental goalies better than him, you know, in the game right now. And I just think that, you know, if he if he can have a bounce back here, this is the one to do it, especially with the shortened season. Um, so, yeah. He's, he's a dad, so maybe that helps, hopefully. You yep. know, I think he's spoken you know, very highly about that, though. And, yeah. You never so, know. Yeah. But it's certainly – the biggest challenge, I think we're probably all pretty close in agreement with Rich on that one, just because 
I think that's the big reason why a lot of your national experts, national analysts, and even a lot of uh, the podcasts that are on the network with us on Hockey Podnet, uh, Hockey Podcast Network, uh, all the all the different podcasts are putting out their uh, division predictions. Uh, we've done ours as well for the Central Division, and we're going to be doing the other divisions uh, in the future, uh, right before the season opener on January 13th. Uh, for the whole NHL, it starts on January 13th. But I think a lot of the reason why people are very um, hesitant to put the Preds even in the top four is because there is so much uncertainty with Pecorine and UC Soros. They don't have that undisputed uh, Vesna type of all-star goaltender right now. So I think that's a big reason why a lot of people are hesitant to put them in the top four or they put them kind of on that fringe of number five or number four. So – we're all in agreement there. That's their top challenge at Gold. Yeah, when we uh, when we put out that tweet with our division picks for the Central, we had a, a somebody respond to that tweet, and they actually put Nashville at, at number three. That was. Hey, I, lo- I love that Nick, optimism. Yeah, yeah Nick Nick Shaparov, Nashville at number three. Yeah, that's that's good. I appreciate shout that. I mean, shout out to Nick. That's right. When Chad and I were talking on, on episode eight, we even said like the, the ceiling for the team is probably three. And then, you know, the floor for them is probably six. And so it's yeah. like we just don't know until we get into that game action we see what they look like. But it's definitely going to be interesting. So I'm, I'm going to go to my next uh, – I got another big challenge. And we also talked about this briefly earlier in tonight's episode. And that, for me, it's finding the right two matches for Matt Duchesne on the second line. Uh, I just think that John Hines going into his first full season as head coach for Nashville – really has his work cut out for him on who who he puts with Matt Duchesne to maximize maximize his talents because none of us were satisfied with how uh, Duchesne played last year. It doesn't mean he had a completely awful year and he was just a complete bust. I think I think some of it's overblown due to the expectations and the hype surrounding him when he came over here in the offseason. I think some of it's a. I think some of it's a little unfair to Duchesne, but at the same time, I don't think he was uh, as good as advertised necessarily. And so, uh, we got to find those right two players to play with him because Duchesne is that unique type of player that has outstanding skating ability, uh, puck possession ability. He knows how to get control of that puck, hold the zone, and let his line mates do the work to find those high danger scoring opportunities, but he's got to be with the right line mates. If he's with the, if he's not with the right players who know how to play without the puck, then you're forcing Duchesne to be a player. He's not, at least that's what I see. And so just like we want consistency on the top line, we're not trying to blend all these lineups. I think we have to have a very steady, second line with Matt Duchesne, one that sticks around for for as long as we can keep it together, assuming there's no really bad injuries. And so we got to figure out who's right for Duchesne. And, you know, we've kind of been talking about uh, Cunning. We've been talking about uh, Eric Hollow. We've been talking about um, – there's even people who are big Rocco Grimaldi fans who are like, let's put Grimaldi on that second line. You know, so there's just so many options for that second line. So um, I'm interested to hear what Colin and Rich has got to say on that as well. Uh, Colin, if you want to kind of uh, say what you think about it. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think we have to almost temper expectations a little bit because as talented as Duchesne is, he needs some time to build chemistry with his line mates uh, and whoever that might be. And so that's going to be tricky on a number of fronts because it's like, okay, if ultimately the goal is to put Granny on that line, then that's going to take some time because he's not even going to be able to play for the next couple of weeks, you know, theoretically with all the protocols and stuff. But then, um, you know, if you don't, then who goes on that second line with him and how much time would they really have to have in practice? Because to be real, like two weeks just isn't enough to get him, I think, where he needs to be uh, to get his game. So everybody else can get used to his game. I think he very he plays a very nuanced form of hockey. And so that that's dependent on everybody knowing where he's going to be, what he's going to be doing, and how he's going to create those opportunities for them because that's what he's known to do, um, as well as great opportunities for himself too. I mean, he has, he's gotten some highlight goals in the past. But, you know, my worry is that, you know, obviously we had some very high expectations coming off of offseason uh, you know, last year when we when we signed him, and for you know everybody knows he was Polly's white whale for the longest time. I mean, Polly pursued him and pursued him and almost got him. Instead, we got a Kyle Turris at one point. That's a a bad buy, but um, you know we, we've been trying yeah. and trying to get him for so long that it's like, okay, do we get him past the point where he's actually at the value where we originally valued him at? Because he, I mean, Polly just kept on talking about him like he was obsessed with getting Duchesne in a, in a gold jersey for the Predators. So, um, you know. I, I want to believe that the talent's still there. He's only, you know, 29 years old. So, you know, theoretically, like he can still, he's still that guy. I mean, he's still one of the, the better hockey you know, centers out there, but it's going to take some time. I think that we kind of got to temper our expectations and say, um, you know, we're not going to see Duchesne being what we expect him to be until probably at the earliest, you know, like early February to mid February. So just being realistic with it, but it's definitely going to be one of those situations where we can't do line salad. We got to figure it out. He's got to have line mates that he knows are going to be playing with him throughout the season and they're going to roll with it. Rich, how are you feeling about it, about Duchesne and his line? Um, I think it's, I really like the way he played with Coonan and Holla. Coonan, there you go. 10 push ups. Coonan uh, and Holla. At, after the episode, push-ups. after the episode, we're going to watch you. <laughs> can't do it. No, you're not. Uh, <laughs> you have a heart attack and die. Uh, but like like you said, last year, you know, we had high expectations and it, it obviously didn't pan out, but there was other factors involved in that. I don't like the line blender stuff either. I want some consistency. I want him to find at least one person he's going to be with, you know, on a consistent basis and just, you know, have that consistency that they didn't have. And, you know, it might not even be Grandlin. They they could put Holla and Cunning. gosh, man, Cunning again, um, on that line and then put Granlin on the third line. You just, you just don't know, but I'm totally with you. I want some consistency in, in both the top lines, the hey, bottom three, hey. you can move them around, but. So, Hey, we, we really got to get better about uh, Cunning's name. Cause we could be covering the Milwaukee Bucks and have to pronounce Giannis Antetokounmpo every uh, 10 seconds. You know, I can't, so, I don't even know what's Afanasiev. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that that would be a time with him. Hey, Afanasiev just rolls off the tongue. I love saying mm-hmm. that guy's name. It's just, it just flows. Like that's a, that's a good one for me. But yeah. uh, yeah, we're getting off track here, trying to pronounce all these names. Well, hey, it's, hey, it's, hey, it's David Poyle's fault. He's the one that made all these freaking roster changes, and now we're like scrambling over here to pronounce that's all right. these, all these names. So we're just gonna, we're just gonna send the bill to Poyle for uh, all of our mispronunciations over here. I'm sure he'll be okay with it. That's fine. We'll just, we'll just blame it on him. He'll, Poyle will do the push-ups for you, Rich. It's okay. Uh, I hope so, because I can't do it. <laughs> uh, uh, Colin, do you have another uh, challenge that the Preds are kind of going through? Uh, we mentioned Duchesne's line. We mentioned the goalies. Uh, you got another one? 
Yeah, mine, mine doesn't even have anything to do with personnel at all, actually. Uh, it's just, you know, the COVID-19. Like, we've already seen it affect the Dallas Stars. We saw it affect, you know, Columbus. And that kind of – that'll take us into our prediction for the game against Columbus. But we don't even know what kind of team they're going to be putting on the ice just because they've had some issues with, you know – I know Seth Jones was out for them for a little bit trying to quarantine and all that stuff. So, my biggest thing is, you know, with all these major sports we've seen, you know, across, you know, Major League Baseball, uh, football, and even now in the NBA, uh, they're struggling – um, is just trying to you know do the best they can with the COVID protocols, and mm-hmm. with us not playing in a bubble, you know, guys going home to their families, they're going out to eat, they're doing whatever. Like, there's just only so much you can control, you know, within those, within you know the game and itself, and then the, the protocol itself. So, um, at some point, I think it's going to affect us. I think we have a lot of that's kind of where our strength is. Is that a lot of our you know the team um, has some players that can step in and be ready to go, especially with us talking about personnel. Um, a lot of these guys are close to one another in skill level in a lot of places, especially that third and fourth line. So, um, you know, hopefully there's going to be some opportunities, obviously, for guys to step up. That's why we have the taxi squad. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how it affects, you know, the team. Hopefully we make it through scot-free, but you just never know. It's affected a lot of teams across all, a lot of leagues. So eventually you got to think it's going to hit us. And what it does, how do we weather that storm? I think everybody's going to be in that place in the NHL. So really – I think the team that you know adapts to it best is going to be the team that does the best throughout the season because we're all going to be playing with it. And un- unfortunate or not, unfortunate or not, there's going to be some players who would probably not get their number called during a normal 82 game season with no COVID 19 around and all that. There's going to have to be some players who might not be ready for the starting lineup or who, who are going to have to log some valuable NHL minutes whether it's on the fourth line, whether it's on the third pairing, like there might be players who are normally fourth line guys that are going to have to step up and play on the second line or, you know, we just don't know. It's so unpredictable. So that's, that's a, that's a really good challenge that every team is facing, but certainly the Preds are one of them uh, is uh, just, how are you going to navigate through this season? That's so condensed. It's so packed in. Uh, if, if one player gets knocked out and that turns into five or six or seven players, you know, God forbid, then next thing you know, you're looking at some – you could ha- lose a core of your team, could miss a bulk of games. And then next thing you know, you're you're really scrambling. So We might yeah, have – we might have a step up, though, on some other teams that we're not thinking about. All these guys that are having babies. It's it's true. Yeah, they're that. stuck at home. They're stuck at home. You know, <laughs> they're stuck at home. Uh, you know, uh, Yossi's having a baby. Victor Arvidsson's, they're having a baby. Pekka just had his baby. Duchesne's got two. I think another player, I don't remember who it was, announced that they're having another child or their first child. So that might keep these guys in. They might not be going out to dinner and mixing with people. I think Arby's having a kid, isn't he? Is it? It is. I think it's Arby. No, yeah, yeah. Arvidsson is. It's, uh, I think it is um, Forsberg. Oh yeah, I love it. So I love this cutting edge analysis about. I know, right? I mean, dad's got to dad's got to stay home. They got to be there for the kids. Less opportunities to go out there and uh, be uh, socializing and that's right stuff. So uh, hey, that's a that's a really good point there. Yeah, it's a really know. good analysis. Never know. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. <laughs> Pred's got the upper hand. Hey man, I do but, what I can. Uh, but I mean that, that that is a really good point. All joking aside, uh, is yeah. which team? Because we're going to see a team that's it, we've already seen it in other sports. We're going to see a team that's cruising along, that's playing very well, and 
Unfortunately, they might be hit with something and some players are going to have to go quarantine and it might really derail their season. We just got to hope it's not the Preds, but my money's on it's going to happen to somebody. I think that's a really good point that you made there too is like we've also seen it happen to coaches. And so I think that that's what makes me really love our coaching hires is I think any any one of these three coaches could at least take over some time, you know, a, a stretch of a week or two weeks and, and get some, you know, head coaching um, interim head coaching experience and we'd be okay as as far as coaching goes. Um, obviously, you want Hines; he's our guy. But you know, if any any one of these assistant coaches had to step up on an interim basis, um, I'd feel more confident about them. But it's also like, what happens if a coach you know is you know gets diagnosed and they've got close contacts with all these coaches? Then do we quarantine all coaches? It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting year. Yep. I got a, I got one more challenge to throw out there. Uh, they got more than the ones we've named, but we're just naming our biggest ones, uh, <laughs> right? It's right. kind of. But uh, so another one, and this is going to be every team as well. This is uh, all encompassing for the entire NHL, but for the you know maybe more so more so than others, but for the Preds, it's just going to be really managing that taxi squad, like making the right decisions on who's on that taxi squad because certain players are not eligible for waivers to go on there. Other players are. A lot of your younger players don't have to hit waivers to go on the taxi squad. Um, and, and then you got David Poyle, who a lot of us think that he is probably nearing the end of his career. Some people think he's lost his mojo and he's not the same GM he once was. He's made some questionable um, signings in, in recent memory. And so – for Poyle, you know, he's one of those guys he, – he's going to have to make some tough decisions. He might have to put a veteran that he doesn't want to lose on the taxi squad. That veteran has to go on waivers, and you got to hope that if you do really like that player that someone doesn't doesn't snatch him up. So that's something you got to think about. Um, I think mostly the taxi squad is going to usually have players who can't – don't have to use waivers for that reason. But – I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if um, most teams lose a player they covet because they have to put them on that taxi squad and then another team just happens to snatch them up, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, just how, how we navigate with the young players. Um, but I, I agree that it's like you don't want to be in that position where you got to you know, try and get a veteran to clear through waivers because it's going to be really tricky to get through that. And, you know, it's also on the flip side going to be interesting to see if we try to, you know, maybe snipe someone from someone else, just get some additional depth. Um, you know, we got the guys that can be healthy scratches and how many, you know, you can have a, a, how many ever many skaters on a roster, but um, it's just going to be very interesting to see, like, who those players might be. We might see a player that, you know, is on the roster but doesn't, you know, play but maybe, you know, 10 games in the season. Um, and they just haven't been on taxi squad because we don't want to lose them, but they're not quite you know good enough to make one of those top four lines or one of the top three pairings. So uh, exactly. it's going to be it's going to just be yeah a lot of a lot of things happening there. I mean, I mean you have to wonder like you know obviously his son has kind of been the GM and and uh, waiting so to speak. So it's interesting to see if he's going to be developing his son more for the role um, in the future. But it, that taxi squad is going to be it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's a whole nother layer of things to watch, especially if you're like a, a hockey nerd and you love watching, you know, transition or transactions, man, transactions are going to be really fun to watch this season for better or worse. It's a, it's a good time to really make sure uh, you freshen up on your uh, salary cap knowledge and your front office <laughs> knowledge. And, uh, you know, all your armchair GMs out there are going to be going crazy. 
Mm-hmm. They're they're loving this right now. They're they're sitting out there like, oh, I won my fantasy hockey championship in my league three years in a row. I know how to do this. Like <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty humorous to see those types of people. But um, I actually have some friends who are just like that. And if they're listening, <laughs> they they're probably in agreement. Like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm like that. But anyway, I just okay. just want I just want to throw out some players that don't have to clear waivers uh, to go on our taxi squad. Some big names uh jeremy davies uh connor ingram matthew olivier who had a really good uh showing in the scrimmages Two goals. Uh, i think just to go back real quick olivier made a really strong case for himself to be considered for the taxi squad uh out of all the prospects in the scrimmages i thought he did the best as far as elevating his um status we'll have to you know we'll have to see if he actually gets on there but uh philip tomasino doesn't have to clear waivers uh, Ellie Tolvanen would not have to go on waivers to be on the taxi squad. So uh, you would expect Tolvanen to be on uh, the taxi squad for a good portion of the season if he's not in the starting lineup. And then uh, Rem Pitlick. Rem Pitlick is another one, a big name, that doesn't have to clear waivers. So you, you'll probably see Pitlick on the taxi squad a, not, a lot, or you might even see Pitlick end up being the AHL again with uh, the, the – you know, we're, uh, hat, with the Admirals not playing – their upcoming season, we're uh, sharing time with the Chicago Wolves of the AHL. So uh, some of our uh, prospects will be uh, lended to them. And uh, that, this is another just crazy story that you never think is going to come up. It, you're having to share your prospects with another uh, organization, the Carolina Hurricanes organization, which is ironically enough in our division. It's just <laughs> wild, just crazy stuff. But um, Add it to the list. Yeah, but uh, but I think I think Pitlick is one of those players that's on that fringe of do you put him on the taxi squad or do you uh, keep him in the AHL? But again, those are players that don't have to require waivers, so you would expect those types of players to to start off on the taxi squad, and then uh, Hines and GM David Poyle will make their moves when necessary after that. But that's that's got to be a, one of the top challenges for the Preds in every NHL team. Right. Absolutely. Now. All right, so let's uh, let's we're gonna close out episode nine with uh, some good old fashioned predictions, game predictions, because everyone likes to throw their predictions out there. They like to screenshot it, and then as soon as uh, their final score ends up being right, they like to blast it all over the airwaves and say I was right. But if they're wrong, and if they're extremely wrong, they delete it really quick. Mm-hmm. So we're so we're gonna throw out our predictions. We're gonna shoot our shots here. Uh, there's a good chance maybe one of us will come close to being right. We'll see. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna give our final score predictions of what we think is gonna happen. And Rich, you get to do the honors. You get to uh, start us off. <clears throat> All right. So I I kind of looked. I think the Predators only played Columbus one time last year, and they beat them. It was like four three. And I looked up their all time stats. So they've they've played. Um, well, they've won. Predators have beat Columbus 59 times, lost it's 20. Very lopsided. Very lopsided. They had a tie whenever they were still doing that. And then they had seven overtime losses. So they kind of have their number. I think Columbus kept the majority of their pieces on the team, and they added Max Domi, which that's a good a good pickup. But I'm going to go um, Predators 3, Columbus 2. In, in regulation? I think so. All right. Well, uh, I I can 
before I lay out my prediction, one thing I'm going to say I'm not going to predict is they're not going to tie. No, no, they're it, not. It not be, it would mm-hmm. not be the second tie in this uh, matchups history. I, I'm very <laughs> confident in that. Yeah, I think. I think that it will be at least settled in the shootout. I'm pretty sure the rules state that there can't be ties. So really hedging your bets there, man. <laughs> yes, yeah. that yeah. that's kind of how I'm going to start off my prediction. There, it, I mean, there's I not going to be a tie. Yeah, we could have said tie. I could have said three three. <laughs> I went with three two. I mean, with everything with everything that happens, would it be that shocking? I mean, no, nothing nothing not. nothing shocking to us anymore. No. But, uh, all right. So. Mm. I, we say this all the time because we always have predictions on this show, and we always like we never reveal our predictions ever. I put me on a lie detector test. We don't ever state our predictions. Me and Rich had the same final score prediction. I have the Preds winning as well, but right. we are a little different. I think it's going to take overtime. I think this is going to be a slugfest in a defensive way. I think you're going to see some rustiness from both teams. I think you're going to see some turnovers, some bad passes. Uh, it's probably going to come down to a test of whose penalty kill plays better. Because I think there's going to be some sloppy penalties. Emotions are going to be running high. You know, 56 games. I know that still seems like, okay, that's still enough games to where, you know, there's still plenty of time for you to fix things if you start off ugly. But – there really isn't a lot of time to figure things out. And so I think I think both teams are going to press a little bit to start this game. I think they're going to take some make some bad decisions, whether it's a bad pass or a bad penalty. And I think it's going to come down to special teams. And I think the Preds did a good job this offseason addressing their special teams, most notably the penalty kill, which was horrendous last season. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to come down to both teams kind of feeling each other out. It might be like a one-goal game, like 1-0 or 2-1 going into that third period. And I think somehow the top line for the Preds is going to dig deep and they're, they're just going to will their team to win. And I've actually – I went a little bit more de- – I'm going to go a little more detailed in my prediction. A little more detailed. I got Phil Forsberg scoring the game winner in overtime. All right. Wow. <clears throat> Mark yep. it down, everybody. So 3-2 in an overtime win for the Preds. Uh, Rich has got 3-2 in regulation. So call very me. similar s- similar picks there. Colin, what do you have, man? Call me the optimist. I'm going 4-2 regulation. And the reason why is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think – I think that our defense is going to generate offense. I think that we're going to get some good entries. I think uh, we're going to get some offense generated from the blue line forward and really get some opportunities for those forwards to clean up and get some good rebounds. Um, I think that also with, you know, Columbus that we've had some issues obviously with, you know, people, immigration and being dads and all that stuff. And obviously had some issues with camp, but Columbus has had some issues with the COVID outbreak. So um, I I just, I like our team as far as like this stage in the season. I think that um, there's going to be a tone set really early on by Jofa, but I think the offense or the defense really drives in and creates some opportunities with the offense and we get out, we walk out four two. And full disclosure, what a hard game to predict for game one. We've seen the play, the Preds play four games against another opponent since last March. Yep. So, and not only are they playing their their fifth game since last March against another team, but they're also playing a team that a lot of people have ranked very close to. So, like a lot of people are have the Blue Jackets and the Preds as interchangeable. 
Mm-hmm. But I've also I've also seen some predictions out there where people had the Blue Jackets being a top two team in this division. The Blue Jackets are all over the board with where people are <laughs> predicting them to finish. So that just makes this game even harder, even harder to predict. So um, yeah, here's another thing too. I'm predicting that uh, both teams uh, play very very solid defense, which is why I've got that score so low. Uh, I do really highly respect uh, Columbus's defense. I really respect their blue collar mentality. Uh, you know, I, I love Seth Jones. We all love Seth Jones as Preds fans. It's yeah. gonna be nice. To, it's gonna be nice to see him out there. Even though we hope he doesn't have success against us, we wish him success when he's not playing against us. Uh, so yeah, I think it's gonna be have all the makings for your typical heart throbbing Preds game where you're <clears throat> you're just pulling your hair out or what little hair I have left. We'll probably be gone. Likewise, this might we'll be probably, probably the Ball Man podcast. <laughs> the Ball Man podcast. That's because we're Preds fans. That's why we're all losing our hair. It's That's not probably an accident. Right. That's probably uh, right. And this game's not going to do us any favors. I think it's going to be a slugfest. I think it's going to be a lot of forechecking, a lot of guys pushing the boards. I don't think there's going to be a lot of open ice to be had. And I still like our top line, and I still like our top players – Roman Yossi, Forsberg, the guy I got scoring the game when he goal. I like our top core more than I like theirs, and I also like our special teams and what we've done with our penalty kill. Uh, that's why I have the Preds narrowly winning to start off uh, the 20, uh, 20, 2021 season off on a good note. And guess what? With this season, we get to see the Blue Jackets really quickly right after that. So <laughs> on Saturday. Saturday like night. How, how wild is that going to be that you're going to get so many quick rematches? How many times are we going to see teams split? I think we're going to see so many splits in these two game sets. Because that's how mm-hmm. hockey player that's how hockey works. Like you make your adjustments. If you see a team that quickly after they just beat you, we're going to see a lot of teams get revenge after losing game one of their two game sets. I agree. I agree too. So it's that's just a- going to be I mean, these standings are going to be razor thin. It's going to come down to that last week. And so for the NHL, it, it probably works out great for them because it's going to come down towards the end. Even though Gary Bettman did come out and say that we're all losing money going to stage this 2021 season. Uh, so it, it's just going to be crazy. So real quick, uh, yeah, Rich Howell's got 3-2 in regulation. The Preds win. I've got 3-2 in overtime. Collins got 4-2 in regulation for the Preds. So we all got the Preds winning. And that's going to round out uh, episode 9 of the Catfish and Ice podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Please uh, follow our podcast on Twitter, at Catfish Ice. We really do enjoy bringing you guys this brand-new podcast covering the Preds. We all love the Preds, and we can't wait for this uh, wild ride to get started. Uh, So Rich and Colin, I hope you guys have good nights. Uh, thanks for thanks for uh, being on the show with us. And next time we talk to our listeners, we will be either discussing a Preds loss or a Preds win. Hopefully, it's a Preds win. Yes. We think it's good. We think it's going to be discussing a Preds win. I think we're going to be talking a lot about Phil Forsberg, his uh, heroics. So uh, that's going to be it for tonight. And we will see you next time on the Catfish and Ice Podcast.